Hey everyone, this is Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, and one of the co-hosts of This Week in Marvel podcast. You're listening to the Cruise Control Podcast with Randy Cruz. And I'm now joined by Graham Matthews, Bleacher Report, featured columnist. He's on Twitter at WrestleRant. We do this every week. We review Raw, SmackDown, the pay-per-views, and talk about the world of wrestling in a week. Graham, my man, how you doing? Doing great, Randy. As always, we just discussed right before we got on the air. Newsworthy week is always. It always feels like, especially in the past month, that there is always something going on from No Mercy, Brock and Goldberg, Page. And that's not even counting Raw SmackDown in that next day. So looking forward to breaking it down all, brother, with you right here on the show today. Right off the bat, you mentioned Brock and Goldberg um, this past Monday on Raw. Um, matter of fact, Rewind, we, we actually spoke about it last week of Goldberg going on SportsCenter and talking about, you know, 2K17 and obviously the question of, of was he going to come back and trying to persuade him or entice him and everything. And, and the rumor was that um, as of last week that him and Brock Lesnar were ready to go for a Survivor Series. He did not give much indication on SportsCenter last week. You fast forward to Monday night, and you get Paul Heyman returning to to Raw, and basically on behalf of Brock Lesnar, um, issuing a, a a challenge to to Goldberg. Now, maybe an hour after that, Goldberg is on Twitter responding to Paul Heyman to Brock saying, "I will be at Monday Night Raw next Monday." So, it looks like we are going to get Brock Lesnar Goldberg too. Just a matter of when and and where. Um, but the, the the challenge has been laid out. We should see Goldberg live on Raw on on Monday for the first time in, in about twelve years. When Paul Heyman went out there and did the whole thing for two K seventeen, did you think that he was going to, on behalf of Brock, issue the challenge to Goldberg and really make this, you know, come to light that Goldberg is indeed coming back to to wrestling? I figured they would do something like that just because it didn't do anything at ESPN. It was pretty much a standard interview, but they did reference the interview. They showed the interview like twice over the course of the show, and then Heyman came out. And then he said, they didn't really, I mean, when Heyman said before Raw, they had some WWE.com exclusive where Heyman said, I'm going to tease what's next for Brock Lesnar. And he said he was going to respond to Goldberg. At that point, they pretty much figured, okay, they're going through with the match. It was rumored that it broke on the dirt sheets a week ago when we talked in the show, literally that same day or the day before. So last week, I figured they would capitalize on in the first rush since all the news broke uh, via the dirt sheets, and it looks like they're going in that direction. Now, of course, nothing was said about Survivor Series. All Eamon said was that Brock Lesnar wanted a fight with Goldberg. Goldberg is showing up on Monday's Raw, which I think is a great advertising tactic. It's a great marketing tactic by WWE. As cool as it would have, as cool as it would have been to have Goldberg come back as a surprise return, because that's what we all love in wrestling. I think it's even smarter at this point to advertise it a week out, just because ratings are in the shitter right now, and they need something for fans to tune in for. And they've been doing that really well in the past couple weeks. They advertised Banks and Charlotte for Raw a few weeks ago, Brian Kendrick and T.J. Perkins. They're doing a better job of that, and it's really cool they're doing that for Monday's Raw. So like you said, they didn't really outright say that at Survivor Series the match will happen, but they kind of did tease it on Talking Smack that Goldberg had been signed to the Raw brand, it, it, the match is happening, all this other shit, and it was also rumored this week, which I'm sure we'll talk about as well, Raw versus SmackDown, not even rumored, but they threw down the gauntlet Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon did for a Raw and SmackDown entered uh, brand match, brand match, brand supremacy match at Survivor Series, so... It's shaping them up to be definitely the biggest Survivor Series in at least a decade. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they follow up on the Goldberg and Brock Lesnar hype this Monday when Goldberg finally returns to the Raw, as you said, in the first time in 12 years or something. Yeah, I, I, I do get, you know, the reason why they advertise a week out because, you know, for example, they advertise for Goldberg coming back this Monday. Now, after that, Raw is in Minneapolis the following week. And I saw somewhere on Twitter that Brock Lesnar will show up on that, um, on, on on that raw in Minnesota. So now, looking like Goldberg maybe with Paul Heyman next Monday, then Brock and Paul Heyman the following Monday, and then as time goes on, it should lead up to Survivor Series. Now, 
like you said, Paul Heyman did not mention Survivor Series. Nobody mentioned that pay-per-view um, outside of Jim Ross last week. Now, Daniel Bryan might have tipped people off on Talking Smack that Survivor Series would be the pay-per-view that Brock and Goldberg uh, will go at it because when Renee Young asked Daniel about the whole you know, Survivor Series matchup, the 5-on-5, five five, he said, well, li- likely Brock and Goldberg will kind of be like the main event or will be at, the, at, at that uh, pay-per-view where he wishes that it was on, on the SmackDown brand. So he already tipped people off. I don't know if, if anybody caught that. So he already tipped people off that Brock Brock and, and Goldberg will be at Survivor Series and probably will be the main event. But me as a fan, um, it's good to see Goldberg back uh, 49 years old. Hasn't been in wrestling in, in 12 years since WrestleMania 20, 2004. A lot of you know, people, young fans may not even, may not have seen that match or don't recall it, but WrestleMania 20 in the garden here in New York City, 12 years ago, Brock was on his way out to, you know, for a tryout with the Minnesota Vikings, Goldberg was, his contract was running up, and the match, everybody in the world says wasn't very good, and I think a lot of people now are just kind of skeptical of like, okay, yeah, two big names, and Brock is in his late 30s, if, if, if I'm not mistaken. Goldberg is in 40, 48, 49 years old. How is that match going to play out now in 2016 when they couldn't get the job done in 2004? And the question I got for you, Graham, is is this another ploy where WWE seems to go back to the well of getting the veterans, uh, some guys from, from the Attitude Era to sell tickets and, and, and ratings? Do you think they go to the well too much? And do you think go, going at the Goldberg is a clear indication that maybe something that of what they're doing now with with the young guys just isn't working? Yeah, I mean, that's been the case for years now. It's not really a, a big indicator in the current product. It's not like, oh, the new era failed. We need to bring back Goldberg. I think it wasn't like, oh, ratings are failing. I mean, I'm sure that's a part of it. That's why they advertise the return a week out, because ratings are in the shitter. But I wouldn't say it's a clear indicator that the new era is failing. I mean, they have created a lot of great stars, including AJ Styles, who was, you know, technically already a star before he got to WWE. But you know what right. I mean. I think both Raw and SmackDown are an infinitely better place than they were a year ago. They're not great. It's not the attitude there anymore. But it's still a lot better than it used to be. With a lot of the current talent we have, some great wrestling we've had. Already 10 or 12 matches of your candidates, and it's still October. We still have two months left in the year. Um, so anyway, I mean, but they've done this for years, though. I mean, if you really go back, I would say Bret Hart was, like, the first one. Like, it seems like at least one or two guys every year they bring back for a big return or a big debut or something. It was Bret Hart. 2011, The Rock. 2012, they bring back Brock Lesnar. 2013, they brought back uh, they, they brought back Batista the following year. 2013, they brought back, I forgot who it was. They brought back somebody that year, but... They brought back Sting, who debuted in 2014, 2015, the Dudley Boys. They're really relying on all the, on those returns. And I think it's a common story in wrestling that those people get one last run, blah, 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 which is cool, and I'm fine with that. Um, I think Goldberg, not that they're scrapping the bottom of the barrel. It's not like they're bringing back Ken Shamrock and touting him as a, as a main event level superstar. We're not quite there yet. But I think they are kind of running out of big names to bring in for one last run. They've already kind of done Rock. They've done, you know, Batista. They've done Bret Hart. All these other guys have really kind of Brock Lesnar, who's still around, surprisingly. And now they're getting to Bill Goldberg. And beyond that, who really is left? When you think of big names who could return and fans want to see return, we saw Shane McMahon earlier this year who had one more match at WrestleMania. Uh, so, I mean, that we're really getting to that point where how many returns can you pull off you know, in the future, before you have to start focusing on the new talent and have to start putting the new talent in the main event of WrestleMania. You know, for the past four or five years, we've had at least one or two part-timers in the main event, whether it was Triple H, The Rock, Brock Lesnar, Batista. They've always heavily relied on these part-timers. And beyond uh, Jeff Hardy or Kurt Angle return, because I don't count on CM Punk being back at all in the next five to ten years, I don't think it's definitely not in a wrestling role, I don't think. If anything, a Hall of Fame induction in twenty. 27 or whatever, but beyond that, there really aren't many returns left, and it really is an indicator, as you said, that bringing back Bill Goldberg, I think it's cool he's getting one more match, it's all I ever want to really see, to echo my thoughts from last week, is one more match, not a full-on run, but I think they can't keep on bringing people back, and 
taking away the spotlight from the younger guys who aren't going to get over unless they are given that main event spotlight. So the new era hasn't been a bust, but it definitely is a sign that they need to stop kind of focusing on the past and focusing more on the future. I think outside of Goldberg, and you just mentioned him, Kurt Angle will be like the next guy that whether it's advertised or just you know out the fucking blue, and you hear his theme music, I think everybody will go ape shit and be like, oh, wow, Kurt Angle. I think you get Goldberg now, but I think if Kurt Angle was to come back, I think that will be like, to me, unless I have to really you know look into it, the last guy that would that can make a return and really get a big pop. Because like you said, Shane McMahon, Batista, Brock, The Rock, um, you know, Bret Hart. It just, like you said, there's, there's nobody else left outside of Goldberg and Kurt Angle that can come back with a big pop, give it that old school, you know, nostalgia kind of kind of feeling. So, I mean, as a fan, am I happy to see Goldberg? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to see how he can perform. I mean, it, does he have one match, two matches, three matches left in him? We have no idea. He, he might fight Brock at Survivor Series and really shock everybody. Like, holy shit, you know what? That wasn't such, you know, such a bad match. It was better than WrestleMania 20, but... You know, until you get these two guys in the ring and kind of see what kind of style of fight um, that they have, all all we're gonna do is speculate and go back to WrestleMania 20 with with you know with with shit. So I know fans out there are like, you know, why bring him back? He's too old. What's the point? Brock's gonna beat him up. Brock's gonna suplex him 20 times, and it's like, I mean, I do get, <laughs> I do get all that, but let these two guys get in the ring. And they might tell a different story than the ones that we're thinking about already. It might. I mean, I've said this before. I mean, not everybody was open to this idea, but I know I was a huge advocate for it in doing an Undertaker versus Sting match. Now, if they did right. it last year or the year before or this year or whatever before Sting retired, would it have been a good match, technically speaking, from an in-ring standpoint? Probably not, because both guys average out over 100 years old combined. So probably not, but... It would have been a cool match just to see. As a spectacle, it would have been a cool match. I mean, granted, we have seen Brock Lesnar and Goldberg before, so it's not like, oh, first time ever. But it is an anticipated rematch for some people. I know the first match sucked, but as a lot of people have said, even if you take away this, you know, surrounding circumstances with both guys leaving and the crowd shitting on it, it's going to be interesting. If the feud sucks, the crowd could blow, you could, they could poop all over it because it is in Canada, and Canada's a very rowdy crowd. That crowd will either make or break that match. If it sucks, it's going to be awful. And Brock Lesnar hasn't had the greatest track record of great matches this year. The match with Ambrose at WrestleMania, enjoyable but disappointing, pretty underwhelming. The Orton match was pretty disappointing, too. So Lesnar's either, he's under even more pressure than he was before in facing Goldberg. So... Again, I don't think it's going to be a five-star classic, not by a fucking long shot, because like I said, Goldberg's 49 years old, closing in on 50. Uh, I just think from an in-ring standpoint, if they do it the right way, if they build it up the right way and make it more of a spectacle, it could be a cool match, like Undertaker and Sting could have been, but this match could do instead. So it really depends on how they capture the magic. People are still hot for Goldberg. They'll still go crazy for Goldberg. Um, because, you know, he hasn't been seen in 12 years. He'll still get a big reaction. You still hear the Goldberg chance on Raw almost every week. So it, I think if they go about it the right way, it could work. But there's also a very real possibility of not denying that, and the match could suck. So it really could go either way, which is what I'm scared of. Now, on Monday, I went, I was on Twitter, and I said, hey, you know, Lesnar, Goldberg, too. You know, what do you think? So I'm going to read you some of the, of, of the responses. And you can kind of tell which way people are leaning. So, uh, at Pico de underscore Gallo. Yeah, that, that's a real Twitter name. Um, I, w- I, I would start watching again. So, that's more positive. Um, at Kyle Lockhart at 23, why bother? There you go. Um, at Kid Outcast, hopefully it's not WrestleMania all over again. D1... D1S Murphy will look forward to the buildup of the match and Goldberg's entrance. Then we'll turn on the match just like last time. Um, at Kaylee PSO 426, I was there for the first one in, in, uh, in MSG. The hype will be there. I don't expect a solid delivery. I'd rather not watch it. At Chris 007 Brown, I think it could be good, but who is the target audience? The Those 
who remembered the WCW run, his short run in WWE versus Brock. Not, I'm not sure. So, quite a few people are either gonna shit on this match be, <laughs> a month and a half before we get to it, or maybe they'll maybe they'll change their mind once they see Goldberg on Raw, how he interacts with Paul Heyman. Um, I guess kind of given the main reason why he even accepted the the challenge from Paul Heyman and, and Brock Lesnar, then we'll get Brock on Raw the following week, and then we'll do the build up from then. And, and obviously they they got to be on Raw together, face to face to do something. But like you said, Survivor Series is in Canada, and they cheered for Hulk Hogan in WrestleMania 18 over The Rock. Um, so like anything can happen in in in, in Canada. So. Um, they can shit on the match. They can cheer the match. And I think Goldberg having a second or third match really depends on how this one goes with, with, with Brock. I think Brock would win the match. But I think if Goldberg can look strong at 49, we've seen other guys at his age perform well. Like Chris Jericho is like 45, 46, still doing freaking fucking lion sauce over the top rope. Like this guy can still go. So... I don't want people to be like, why bother? I don't want to see it. You're trying to re- recreate something that happened 12 years ago. But sometimes when that happens, the company can shock people. When when Triple H fought Sting at WrestleMania 31, 31, I'm pretty sure some of us are like, you know what? Maybe it may not be that good. Sting is 50. But you add the whole nostalgia, DX, NWO, the whole drama, and it's like, oh, shit, that match was pretty good. So um, I'm looking forward to it, man. I, I, I just got to see how everything uh, plays out. We got a whole month and a half before this match even happens. If it happens at Survivor Series, that's just a rumor. So um, I, I think um, Brock goes over, and hopefully Goldberg can have another match or two after that. I think so. I mean, like you said, I really think it depends on how this match goes before they rule out any potential matches in the future. If this match goes great, on the chance it goes great, and it's get you know fans love it, whatever. He has a great performance. He could still go. He he's kept in shape. He's still in phenomenal shape. It's just more matter. You know, but so did Batista though. And his first match back as cardio was awful. I mean, granted, Batista had more time to kind of kind of get in, in ring shape because he was around every week. He was a regular. Whereas with Goldberg having not competed in over 10 years and he can only really have one match, it's a one-or-done type deal. If the match sucks, he won't be back on Raw the next night to redeem himself like Batista was. That's pretty much it. Um, just personally, regardless of how well the match goes, I just want to see one match and that be it. I agree. I think Lesnar will win. I think he should win. I don't know why he wouldn't. I mean, I know it's Goldberg's first match back, but it's not like a sting scenario where, oh, wow, it's his first match in the company. And it's at WrestleMania. Why the fuck would you have him lose? And they had him lose anyway for whatever stupid reason. Because Triple H or Vince or whoever's an idiot. Goldberg is different because he's facing Brock Lesnar. And Brock Lesnar, having not been pinned or submitted in over three and a half years, should not lose to Goldberg again. He already lost once. Goldberg's the only guy he's never beaten who has beaten him. So I think he's got to get that win back, continue on a strong streak to whenever he loses, whether it be at WrestleMania next year or the year after that, whatever the Roman Reigns, God forbid, or whoever, uh, Goldberg's got to lose. And, but I just don't think, and I mean, I talked to you about this last week, that I just don't know of any real dream match. There's really not any dream matches for Goldberg in WWE. Brock Lesnar makes sense because they have unfinished business from WrestleMania. I get that, but beyond that, a Roman Reigns match isn't really a dream match. I mean, it'd be cool to see him up against someone like a fresh face, but it's not like, oh, wow, I need to see that match. Or him versus like even John Cena. It doesn't really, those two, you know, those two personalities don't mesh. The only match I could possibly think of would be him and Ryback, but Ryback's gone. And not as like a marquee main event, pay-per-view, whatever, a main event of a pay-per-view. Just because Ryback had been compared to him for so long, it would have been cool. But he's gone, so that's not the case. Like, even him and Taker, I don't want to say, that'd be a bore fest of all bore fests, the WrestleMania. Triple H, not again. There's really not many people left, in the, and maybe a rock match again, but again, we've already seen that too, and that was entertaining the first time, so I don't know. I think it's just a one-and-done type deal. Have him lose. He can look strong in defeat. You know, have Lesnar kick out of a couple finishers, Goldberg kick out of a couple finishers, and then induct him into the Hall of Fame the following year, which I think is long overdue anyway. Um, but again, if he has a great performance and he can show he can still go, but the issue is that he can never really go in the first place. 
he wasn't a great he was a great character, but he was never a great wrestler. He didn't have many amazing matches. He had amazing moments when he won the WCW title. He didn't have many five star classics. He did with DDP and a few others in WCW, but that was twenty years ago. So again, I'm fine with him just doing one match. That be it, and just move on. I don't really agree with the people who are shitting all over, and that's their opinion. They can feel free to do that. But um, I'm looking forward to him being back, but just I'll be it for a one-off match and then have that be it and move on and start focusing on the guys that are currently on the roster. After Brock, I think the only dream match would be Goldberg versus Gilberg. <laughs> I'm shocked to see that back in their three because I know they did a brief face-off, but they never did the full-on match. So that would be pretty fucking great to see Gilbert back to face Goldberg. <laughs> We're chatting with Graham Matthews of Bleacher Report here on the Cruise Control Podcast. He's on Twitter at WrestleRant. We've mentioned Survivor Series a couple of times this this past Tuesday on SmackDown. Uh, Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon laid, a, laid a, a, a challenge out to Raw and do these, you know, traditional Survivor Series type matches, five on five um, with tag teams, five on five with the women and five on five with the men with the top wrestlers on the on, on the roster. Um, are you a fan of that, knowing that they, they might be going more traditional with these matches where you might either, A, get none or maybe get one singles match on Survivor Series? Let's say Brock and Goldberg is one match. And then, you know, are you would you be happy that the champions from each SmackDown and Raw are on each opposite sides where they're not having individual championship matches and they really go the full route? of bringing the traditional style matches for Survivor Series. Yeah, I'd be fine if they did not do some, at least world title matches on the pay-per-view. They could do the IC title, the U.S. title, whatever. They don't have to do the world championships because they think this match has got to be done right. On paper, it sounds awesome. Oh, Raw versus SmackDown, that's sick. But if they don't put star power, I'm not saying that every top star in each show needs to be in that match because that's kind of spreading the rest of the card pretty thin. It is a three-hour show. They need to have other big matches on the show, and I think doing Goldberg and Lesnar on that show is perfect because you're not taking away from the current roster. It's not like you're taking Cena away from SmackDown or Roman away from Raw, Rollins away from Raw. They can be in that five-on-five match. So, again, I'm, I, it just can't be like Kalisto representing SmackDown and Raw's Bo Like, it's got to be real stars, like real big stars from Raw and SmackDown, which they did the first time around at Survivor Series 05. On one match, on one team, you had Batista, GBL, Randy Orton, Rey Mysterio, Bobby Lashley, and Raw. They had Masters, Carlito, Shawn Michaels. Uh, I think maybe not Mark Henry. They had a couple other big names in that match. And it was like, wow, that's a real Raw and SmackDown brand rivalry. And that's what I want to see done this year. It's Styles, Cena, Ambrose, Rollins, Reigns, or whoever on each show. And I think it could be great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess not that they can do, they don't have to do world title matches. Like you said, because we already have the two biggest selling points of that pay-per-view right there, Raw and SmackDown with the right components. And then Lesnar and Goldberg sells itself in Canada. And you already have a women's match too, a five on five women's match. If Raw accepts, but they probably will. Otherwise, why would you tease it? So I mean, that sells itself. You don't have to have a Raw or SmackDown women's championship match. You don't have to have a WWE or universal championship match. But then again, I might want to just because it is in Canada, and I would love to see Owens go into the show and defend against Jericho, like a, fel- a fellow Canadian or Sami Zayn. Like, that'd be fucking sick. But beyond that, you don't have to do world title matches, which, like you said, was the original format of the pay-per-view back in the late 80s, early 90s. They didn't have WWE title matches on, the- on that show for years. They had every single match in the show were all multi-man, traditional, elimination, four-on-four, five-on-five, Survivor Series tag team matches. Now, not every show, not every match in the show needs to be a tag team match. I think that might be overkill. But if you have one meaningful one and then another meaningful one with the women, I think it's perfect. And you can do, like I said, an Owens title match or Ziggler versus someone for the IC title or whatever. It really doesn't matter that much. Uh, But I think the current landscape of that pay-per-view, bottom line, is that they are making it for the first time in God knows how long, a meaningful, must-see, big four pay-per-view. I could not tell you the last time. I was this excited for pay per view for uh, for a Survivor Series pay per view. We're still over a month away, and we don't even know what the official card is yet. It just make they're making it feel like a big deal. So hopefully they do it right. On paper, it sounds great. They just got executed properly in the weeks ahead. 
Yeah, man. I, I think once I heard them do the the idea of doing more traditional matches on that pay per view, I'm like, you know me, man. I'm I'm a lot older than you, Graham. So I've been watching Survivor Series for for quite a while. I think I think it'll be the 30th annual Survivor Series in November. So I guess they're trying to make a little extra special, go back to the old school format. And, I mean, if you want to throw in a, a singles match here and there for a title or whatever, or with, with an added um, a, a, a added stipulation, then go ahead. But you got you got to have four-on-four, five-on-five matches. You can't have a Survivor Series uh, pay-per-view and have one five-on-five match. I think they went away from that quite a few times, and I think that bringing that back um, for someone like me who's in my 30s can really be like, oh, wow, they're really bringing this shit back where you can kind of bring that that nostalgia factor back to, to wrestling. And like you said, you can't just have five people of the Callisto and Jack Swagger and you know, all the medi- the mediocre people on one roster. You got to have, you know, just off the top of my head, if you tell me the five best male performers on SmackDown, you got to tell me, for example, AJ Styles, John Cena, Dean Ambrose, Randy Orton off the top of my head, and, and Bray Wyatt against freaking Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, Reigns. Like, look at that. Look at that fucking match right there. And so you have both both champions on opposite sides. Um, ten of the top names in the company today going at it, and maybe you add a a, a kind of uh, a reward. Like if, if SmackDown wins, somebody gets a title shot or whatever, or like can can get a pick from Raw or, or vice versa. And like like have an added stipulation that you know what. It's not just five on five. It's like you know what we have to go out there and kick their ass because we're gonna lose one of our guys if we don't win the match. And you know sometimes either it it was either Survivor Series or bragging rights. They had the um the raw shirts and the blue and the blue SmackDown shirts. Like don't make it too gimmicky either. Let them go out there in their own um outfits. No no raw shirts. No SmackDown shirts. Don't don't do it. Don't do that gimmick shit. Let them go out there, and I think if they can do that and perfect it, and you have your Goldberg Brock Lesnar match, and you have your women's championship match or whatever, or or a separate match with with a different stipulation, I think that Survivor Series for the first time in a long time can be a watchable card. Because Grant, between me and you, I don't know if you noticed, but Survivor Series was. At that point where they, the company was going to cut off Survivor Series five years ago because they felt like it wasn't that part of the big four anymore. It just didn't have that value. So I think, again, that was five years ago. But I think, like you mentioned before, it has to feel like it's one of the big four. SummerSlam is four hours long. WrestleMania is damn near five hours long. Royal Rumble has its own aura of the winner goes on to WrestleMania. So Survivor has to has to have something that, you know what, at the end of the day, we can walk out with a, an extra draft pick. We can have a title shot on the, on the opposite roster, something like that. But I think them going back traditional, um, I'm all for it. I'm a big fan of it, and I hope that they do it right. I hope so, too. And it would be even cooler, like you said. I forgot to even mention that. I think that would be a great idea. If you put something on the line, where if SmackDown wins, they get a raw draft pick. Or whatever brand wins, they get the final spot, the number 30 spot in the Royal Rumble. So you know it's going to be like they get the upper hand or whatever. Like That would be yeah. great. It can up the ante a little bit, make it meaningful. And like you said, I mean, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. The buy rate for Survivor Series 2009 was so abysmally bad. Vince was on the verge of cutting it. It was off the pay-per-view schedule, and someone convinced them to keep it. Right, um, right. Probably for its value, for its prestige or longevity, whatever. And they kept it around for 2010. And But even then, though, even though they kept it around, and I'm glad they did, I hate to say it, but Money in the Bank feels more like an anticipated event every year than Survivor Series. Last year's show was atrocious. Last year's show, we had a five-on-five elimination match that wasn't announced until the guys came out to the fucking ring. They didn't announce any five-on-five match until the show started. So that's the thing. And like you said, going back to the way it used to be, and it's not like, oh, everything needs to be the way it used to be in the 80s or 90s, but that was like the whole purpose of the pay-per-view is to have the five-on-five matches. Otherwise, what's the point of Survivors here? And again, I'm not saying like in the 80s you need to have every match be a tag team match. But if you have one or two meaningful matches that aren't just random people thrown together, 
and it's interesting and it's fun and they have star power on them. And I think they will take it seriously. I know I mentioned the whole Swagger Kalista thing, as did you. But I feel like if they are going to make this a real Raw versus SmackDown rivalry, they're going to want to make they're going to want to put their best foot forward for each brand and storyline. Like, we want to win this match. We're going to put Styles on Team SmackDown as the captain. Or Kevin Owens is the captain of Team Raw because they're both their respective world champions. They're that brand's respective world champion. So, yeah, I'm excited for it. I think on paper there's a lot of potential there to make this show the most must-see Survivor Series since, God, I don't know when. Probably I, Survivor Series 02 is one of the best pay-per-views I've ever seen. With the Chamber, they had Lesnar losing the WWE title. It was an MSG, so that's not really, that's not really, uh, you know, not too surprising. It was a great show, but other since, other, you know, ever since then, since like maybe '05 or so, the show has been an afterthought. But I think this year they have a real opportunity to make it solidify it as a big four pay per view once again. You know, me, I, I while you were um, answering the question, I, I put a tweet out saying that to me, what was the last great Survivor Series team, and I think, I mean, I could be wrong. Everybody has their own opinion, but I, I you have to go back ten years to 06. At least, right? at, at least, at, at least years, ten yep. years. And that team was Team Degeneration X, DX, CM Punk, and the Hardy Boys. And again, that, that that's just me picking one random pay per view and like, oh shit, yeah, I forgot about that. So I don't know what match uh what teams were in 07 08 09 but i think to me when you talk about cm punk the hardy boys and their prime team dx and their prime coming back i think that was the last great survivor series team and again i could be wrong but that's an 06 we're in 2016 and you mean tell me i can't pick one great survivor series team for the last 10 years and 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 that and that's what me and you've been talking about i mean to me my my favorite i don't know if you have one but I think at, at the top three, or at least, was the one um, it was Ultimate Warrior, Legion of Doom, and Texas Tornado. And that's going back to 1990, Graham. 1990. <laughs> that's how long going ago. Back over almost three decades. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm three decades old, Graham. So, but, but what I'm saying <laughs> is that that's how far back you have to really, like, mm, the, great, the greatest Survivor Series team of all time is this. But I think, I think they can do it right. Just gotta have the right guys on on the right team. Even, even, even you know, even with the women, like you have, if you can have Sasha, Bailey, Charlotte, Nia Jax, and and somebody else on one roster, and, and you know Dana Brooke, whatever, then you have Eva Marie and Nikki Bella and Carmella and Becky. Come on, man, that's a fucking great match right there. If you want to bring back a uh, a female from the past, Mickey James or somebody, okay, now we're talking, but. That's the kind of match you need to have, but if you don't, if you don't have the main champions on each team, I think I think it kind of dilutes it unless that rivalry keeps on going. But I think they had the potential to set it up where they can have like anybody who came from NXT is on one roster on on, on Raw and SmackDown. Some some even put an NXT uh, freaking Survivor Series match if you if you want to uh, cruiserweights or whatever. But I think they have the potential to really, you know, n- you know, not not fuck it up. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think they'd really have to try to fuck it up in this case because they really are setting themselves up for a great show, and I like that idea too a lot. I like that idea a lot actually too, and the fact that you can do a cruiserweight match and you have enough people. They just signed some cards to the division. They just debuted that Daivari guy. I know they have Norm Dar coming in, Gargano and Champa have yet to debut. There's a lot of guys that could be in that division and already are in that division. Whether it be four on four, five on five, you could do another cruiserweight elimination match. Now that you mention it, I assume they probably will, and they should. So, um, yeah, like you said, I'm excited for the show. We're still a month and a half out, and we'll see how this pay per view, you know, shapes up in the next month and a half. Well, uh, before Survivor Series, we have Hell in a Cell. I think in about two weeks, um, October something is twenty uh, something. I think it's the thirtieth. I think it's the day before Halloween because we'll be there. So I forgot about that. Oh, that's right. So, oh, you're going to be there in, in Boston. <laughs> me and Mr. Marcel, me and RJ will be there in attendance for Hell in a Cell. I cannot wait. Well, you go you, you go ahead and enjoy three Hell in a Cell matches <laughs> on the pay-per-view. Maybe a Hell in a Cell match during the kickoff. Um, <laughs> you, you go ahead and enjoy. I mean, as a fan, I, I know we, we spoke about it, but I think when you have a gimmick match as your pay-per-view it kind of takes away and dilutes the whole aura of Hell in the Cells or T 
TLC matches, Money in the Bank matches. Those matches should be, you know, those gimmicks should be the, you know, a match. It should not be a a, a pay per view. And the one you're going to, you know, later on this month, Hell in a Cell, you, you, you you're gonna sit there and see three Hell in a Cell matches, and really think like, do all three really need to be in a Hell in a Cell? Not really. I mean, we discussed this either last week or the week before in that. I think even two is too many. I think if you have one Hell in a Cell match in the main event, that's fine. The idea of doing it, I don't want to go into the rant about this because we talked about this a while ago, but the idea of doing a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view in and of itself is pointless because the match should be brought back when it means something. If they brought back the Cell for just Sasha and Charlotte, like, wow, that's a big fucking deal. Right. But we kind of knew it was going to happen because the pay-per-view is called Hell in a Cell. And they need, to, need, they need to put two people in the cell. Roman Reigns and Rusev, I get it. I'm not really excited for it because the match, it deserves the cell because the feud's been going on for that long. But their matches have not been that great. Banks and Charlotte is the only real match in that show that should be inside the cell and in the main event. And it's not in the main event. If it's not in the main event and Banks is hometown, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. And then you have Owens and Rollins. It's going to be a great match, but it doesn't need to be inside the cell. They've been feeding for a month. I mean, I guess to kind of keep out Jericho, but why not just do a steel cage match? I mean, that whole match has been abused to death, too, and that's all another story. But you got three cell matches, and someone brought up to me a couple days ago, well, the 09 show, the inaugural installment of this pay-per-view, seven years ago had three cell matches, and that was a good show. And I said, yeah, but that's way too much. Having one cell match on, on a show called Hell in the Cell is enough. Doing two is a little bit pushing it, and then three is just overkill. So, I mean, we'll see how it plays out. I'm excited to see it in person. I've never seen a Hell in a Cell match in person. But you can have one in the opener, one in the middle, one in the main event, one in the kickoff, one in the dark match. Like, they're going to be doing one all night. And it's like, at what point did this match not mean anything anymore? And like you said, really, other than maybe Brock and Taker and Ambrose and Rollins, in the past seven years, I could not name you one really memorable Hell in a Cell match. And it's getting to that point where they're ruining the mystique if they've already ruined it altogether anyway of the Hell in a Cell match. So the matches should be good, but they gotta it, it's overkill. It's absolutely overkill. Yeah, I am you know, Sasha and Charlotte for the title just got announced on Monday. So that's that's the third. Uh well that was actually the second match uh for Hell in a Cell made and obviously after that Mick Foley did say Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens for the title will be in the Hell in a Cell. So I'm looking forward to the pay per view. I, I just hope that Sasha and Charlotte don't try to overdo it, and God forbid somebody gets hurt. Um, j- you know, it just depends on you know what can they do um, in that match that can really be worthy of Hell in a Cell. I know the rivalry has been going on for so long. Even even Reigns and Rusev is like, all right, I, are, are you going to put the cell in there, and all they're going to do is you know use a chair and use the steel steps, and then and that's it. Like you know. That should be a regular basic match, and I think I, I fear that that, that 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 match is going to be regular, just a regular basic match inside a big old cage. But Sasha and Charlotte can can really tear the house down. Um, that could be the match of the night. Um, would I have liked that to see be the main event? I think that's going a little too far because that's probably not something they'll do right now. But I would be a fan if that were to happen. Um, because they have a longer rivalry than Seth and KO right now, but we I think we all know Seth and KO will be the main event. Um, but yeah, man, I, I just think that Hell in a Cell should be the the gimmick that two people who really despise and hate each other for so long, and it just has that rivalry and that hatred. You you end the feud with that. You just don't have oh we're gonna put three Hell in a Cell matches and then then for all that you might you might as well have three TLC matches. In, in in December, you might you, you might have three Money in the Bank matches, um, whenever that pay per view is in, in freaking June. So I I just think the gimmick should be one match, Money in the Bank should go back to WrestleMania, Hell in a Cell to end off end off a crazy rivalry, TLC, you know for the championship, you know Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship, whatever it is. But um, I'm not even sure what the other matches are for Hell in a Cell, but I think I, I know those are the main three. But um, it should be a fun pay-per-view. I, I, like you said, you, you know, you'll be there. I hope you enjoy it, too. Yeah, it should be a good show. I mean, the last couple pay-per-views, we really haven't had a bad pay-per-view yet. Even Clash of Champions from Raw, which was not as good as Backlash or No Mercy, was still a relatively solid show from a 
wrestling standpoint, some of the finishes were a bit questionable. But the pay-per-views haven't been atrocious. And for anyone complaining about the pay-per-view, you should go back to 2010 or 2011, five, six years ago, and the pay-per-views were near abysmal. Mm. It was Triple H and John Cena and Randy Orton, the main event of every single fucking pay-per-view for three years straight. It's not that bad. It could be better, sure. I'm not saying I'm content with where we are, but you got to appreciate how far we've come in the past five, six years because the product is infinitely better right now than it was at that point a couple of years ago. That said, um, like you said, we got those three matches. We got, I know for the tag titles, we got New Day versus Cesaro and Sheamus. And then there was one other match they confirmed this week. Fuck, I forgot what it was. Oh, Cruiserweight title match. They confirmed TJ Perkins and Kendrick, uh, again, for the Cruiserweight Championship. And then they also have... Uh, which they'll probably, I mean, obviously there's more at matches to be added, but they could add Bailey and Dana Brooke, which was teased this past week. So they got a couple different matches they could add to fill out a six, seven, eight match card. Again, three cell matches, way too much. Right. Um, but I just think, and if they saved, I mean, at this point, I want the women to main event just because Seth and KO hasn't been going on that long. Reigns and Rusev is not main event material. And uh, why bother putting the U.S. title on Reigns if he's the guy anyway, regardless of whether he has a WWE U.S. title or whatever. So I don't really agree with that. But uh, with the women, if they save the title change for Boston, for Banks' hometown, and they did the title change in the main event, that would have been different, but they already did it. Now this is just the rematch. Um, but, yeah, I, I would do it in the main event just because Seth and KO, which should be a great match. But they showed at no mercy that in the main event, it doesn't matter. They opened the, the show with the world title match. I know it was because of right. the debate and all that shit. But they, they closed the show with fucking Bray Wyatt and, and Randy Orton of all matches, which wasn't atrocious, but it was not good really at all. And uh, so, I mean, if they can close out a SmackDown pay-per-view with Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt, I see no reason why they can't close out the show with uh, Sasha and Charlotte. So I guess we'll see where it goes. But it's shaping up to be a pretty solid show. So I'm looking forward to that. And then Survivor Series, I think, is another three weeks after that. So at least, above all else, I'm excited that we don't have a pay-per-view every other fucking week for the next month and a half. Because I think it's Hell in the Cell in two and a half weeks, the day before Halloween in the 30th. And then it's Survivor Series another three weeks after that. And then I think TLC is, I think, another three weeks after that for SmackDown. So we got a couple weeks, thankfully. We don't have to go every other week with a pay-per-view for the next, at least the next two and a half, three weeks or so. So for the record, TJ Perkins and Brian Kendrick and the kickoff matches are not in a Hell in a Cell. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, let's just make every match a Hell in a Cell. Let's make every match a Hell in a Cell. I don't see that you should do with the steel cage. I mean, you might as well. You, you, you might as well have the Hell in a Cell there from eight o'clock to eleven o'clock, and every match in the fucking cell. You might as well just do it like that. Might as well. If you're gonna do three, just make them all inside exactly. the cell. Exactly. Now, what could be interesting is that the announce table. Is all the way by the ramp. It's not oh. by, by by the no, by the ramp. Actually, ring. it's not. I think for the pay per views, they move the table over and act over near back to where the ring is. I think. I think that was the case for Clash. So we'll see. Okay, then then I, I would have to go back and kind of refresh my my brain because I, I I'm, I'm thinking like, wow, if they have the Hell in a Cell and the announce table is not there. I mean, I would check Clash again, but that would be a little more interesting where you just don't have the tables to fall on in case you want to go up high and do some crazy shit. So, but I think, I think that, you know, they'll move the tables by ringside in the event, any match in a hell in a cell wants to do some shit off the top of the cage or from the side and land on land on the table. So I, I would definitely check out clash just to kind of refresh the memory. Yeah. I don't know. I think I just remember, seeing for whatever reason that the commentary tables during the pay-per-views anyway for Raw were near ringside because obviously I know they're near the stage for Raw itself but for the pay-per-views I think they're near ringside I don't know why but I could definitely see a spot where Reigns and Rusev and Reigns is going to spear Rusev and it goes through the table at ringside whatever or he spears him through the cell god forbid so I, I could see him doing that. It really all depends. But I think they are near ringside, if I am, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at the network of a quick replay of the pay-per-view. The commentary, the commentary tables are near ringside. Because that's, during Raw, they just have those guys. But during okay. the pay-per-views, they have, like, the Spanish, the French, all those guys. So that's what they have near ringside. Right. Um, we're chatting with Graham Matthews of Bleacher Report. Just a couple of quick things before we wrap it up. Um... Dolph Ziggler is the new Intercontinental Champion. I think me and you were hoping for The Miz to break the honky-tonk man's record of 470-whatever days of 
the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion ever. That did not happen. Dolph Ziggler won the belt at no mercy. Um, not a shocker, but now it's like, what's next for Dolph Ziggler and how long does he keep the belt? Does the Miz get it back or does the Miz, does the Miz get one more chance, loses, and then kind of takes his game to the World Heavyweight Championship? What do you think? I would love to see that. I would love to see. I think you tweeted it out over this past week. I really want to see Miz back in the world title picture. Um, I think it'd be really a waste. I love the Miz. I love this reign as champion, but they went. They they put the belt on Ziggler. It was what it was. The moment was great. I don't agree with it. I would have kept the belt on Miz until he broke the record, whatever. But it would be such a waste just to give the belt right back to the guy. And then what? Ziggler's not fired anymore, and we have Miz back. Like we, that's, It's pretty much like the few never happened, so I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, but I would put him in, in the main event. I know we have AJ as world champion right now, but uh, I think you said it on Twitter that AJ and Miz would be pretty lit for the world title. So I would love to see that another two heels, but you can insert Randy Orton in there or something, get a little three-way feud going like we saw with Ambrose and Cena or Miz, Ambrose, and Styles or whatever. Um, I think that'd be great. So hopefully, I think on SmackDown he has a chance. He definitely has a chance of becoming a world champion again. may not be anytime soon. Maybe next year, once AJ's done with the belt, but I think there is a realistic chance we could see Miz as world champion again before he retires on SmackDown. That is. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not mad that that Dolph won. It just, you know, who's he gonna fight? Who is the next? Who is the next contender or contenders for the IC title? You know, Baron Corbin, is Bray Wyatt. There's so many people that, that can be in the running, but it's just like. How long will the Miz stay in that in that realm before he says, you know what, fuck all that. I'm going to go at the AJ Styles because I have the talent. I, I've been on a roll for the last year or so to become the world champion. I think he'll be a, he'll be a better world champion than, than, than Dean Ambrose. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think Miz is champion right now in his current character could be a really compelling world champion. And then this is the best work he's ever done in his career. And his, the, his work as world champion five years ago is really good. But he's been even better recently, so I think Ambrose just is far better in um, in chase mode. Whereas with Miz, he's the exact opposite. He's even better in, in as champion, you know, as the as the one defending the title, not chasing the championship. So hopefully that happens at some point. I would love to see it personally. A grand question, man. How, how does how does how does James El- Ellsworth, whatever his name is? Gets a world title shot before Bray Wyatt. How, how does some shit like that happen, man? <laughs> really? <laughs> Tell me, man, for real. Tell me. That's, I did not even think about that. I never <laughs> did a match next week in the show. Uh, I ranted about it a couple weeks again. I won't do it again here, but uh, Bray Wyatt, I, he wanted the pay-per-view. I won't, you know what? I won't shit on it. He beat Orton in the main event of a pay-per-view. I thought it was on press. He's done it before. He beat Ambrose in the main event of TLC 2014, so it's not... Not that it hasn't happened before. I thought he would lose. He won. He won on SmackDown. With help, though. Hasn't With won help. A match in three months, but yeah, still hasn't got a world title match though. So that's that's. That's WWE for you. I mean, what did you make of the match he had with, with AJ and Dean Ambrose being the special referee? Did you feel like, you know, okay, it was kind of cool and funny at first, but when you're going 20 minutes deep, it's like, all right, man, like, you know, cut the shit already. <laughs> yep, yeah, it's pretty much what it was. I enjoyed it for like a couple minutes, but they dragged it on for way too long. And Ambrose has been at his best the last couple of months. When he's in his serious mode, when he's killing it on the mic and acting serious, he's deter- he's determined, he's determined, he's motivated. That's when he's at his best. Not this cute comedy crap where he's on his phone or doing whatever, taking pictures with fans. That's that's not the good Dean. That's not the best Dean Ambrose. And we got that on Tuesday, and it wasn't good. I saw that he beat AJ. That was whatever. He shouldn't be losing to a fucking jobber, but it is what it is. But yeah, they did drag it out way longer than they should have. I do agree with that. No. Graham, my thing is this. What if, you know, yeah, they do have the title match next week, but what if James Ellsworth as a jobber was all just a swerve? Like, what if what if this guy can really fucking wrestle and really, like, oh, shit, like, you know, put out some moves and have AJ uh, not shook but kind of kind of surprised, like, Oh man, I thought this guy—I thought this guy was a jobber, but he can really—he can really, uh, you know, go at it. Like, what if he shocks the world? Like, he can really fucking wrestle. That's what I hope happens. Because I mean, the fact that they're advertising the title match week out is smart. 
But they they can't make it a two second match. No, no. You can't no. just have them beat them in a, in a second if it's if they're advertising in the week. They're not going to do that. They're not going to make Amber a special guest referee. Nor should they. The guy has wrestled. He has been wrestling on the Indies for a long time now. So I'm sure he can go. And he's been in the ring before. He had a whole podcast with Jericho where he talked about his experience. So I think he can go. Um, but I hope that's the story they tell where they pull the whole story. We're like, oh, one, two, oh, and he kicks out at two after a whatever move. And he yeah. just went in like the whole Razor, one, two, three kid thing. Whereas in this case, he won't win, but he'll come close. And then that's how you really get a crowd like motivated and engaged in the match. Like, oh, my God, this guy could actually win. So I hope that's the case. And they just don't beat him in two seconds because otherwise, what was the point? Yeah, I don't want him to be like like the next Santino and just be a comedy yeah. character and like you know what, okay, guy, you you can't win a match, you can't wrestle, but I think to really sell the story, just to make fans feel better, like what they saw this Tuesday wasn't just bullshit. Like this guy can really, you know, go out there have a five ten minute match with the world champion and not saying win the belt, God forbid, but I like really say you know what, okay, now you you just quietly added someone else to your roster. That you didn't have because if you notice, SmackDown's been adding, you know, let's say let's say they keep Ellsworth as just whatever. Then you then you have the Spirit Squad added as a, a, another tag team. Um, was uh, Kurt Hawkins came back? Like you, you're adding these guys slowly but surely. Now you now your roster is kind of building at the same time. Yeah, that's the same thing. I think they have to offer. I, it, that's what I was wondering. I was watching Talking Smack today. And I was thinking. In storyline, they didn't say anything on the show about it, but the guy has to have a contract, right? I know he beat the world champion, but if he beats the world champion before he can get a title match, he's got to have a contract. And I think they can. I think they could tell a great story with Ellsworth where he comes up short all the time and he ends up getting, I mean, he beat the world champion on Tuesday, but I'd keep him around. It's another body to have on the roster. So, you know, he was great in his performance against Braun Strowman a couple months ago. Um, so I think he's great. Bring him back in this role as a regular, and I think it's another body on SmackDown they can utilize. Anything on Raw that that stood out? I know I did not mention Raw. I think they had the mixed tag match with Reigns and Sasha against Charlotte and and Rusev, and I think for the most part, Charlotte is is aside from the Miz, the best heel in the company. I think she's she's great. She's, she's fantastic on the microphone. She'll. When people hate her, just as soon as she comes out to the ring, that means that that performer is doing their job, and can really sell that they're they're hated, they're not liked, but they're damn freaking good in the ring. And I think Charlotte is one of the most talented people in the company. Um, can be a champion anytime, any day. And I think just having that that mixed tag match with Reigns and Rusev. You know, again, I don't want to see Reigns and Rusev with the same promo, or whatever, or even Sasha. But when you add all four together in one ring, there is a big difference to add to to the storyline where you you're kind of combining both uh, rivalries together. And I, I think I'm trying to recall anything else from from uh, yeah, Seth Rollins beat beat Jericho, and then KO did not help Jericho at the end. Maybe they're planting seeds that. There is some that you know, there's going to be some dissension down the road between Jericho and Kevin Owens. Um, jobber matches galore with, with Bailey and Braun Strowman, whoever it was. Anything else on Raw that I'm missing? No, I think that was about it. We already talked about Heyman, Goldberg, and Lesnar, which was one of the highlights. Right. I like the mixed tag team match. Rollins and Jericho was a really good match. You kind of hit upon it. It wasn't a bad show. I thought it was a good show, a lot better than usual. Um, but those were pretty much the main themes, main talking points. Everything else was good. Nothing really atrocious other than our truth and Pettis on the O, which was a fucking waste of time, obviously. But other than that, it was a good show. Uh, but nothing, not too great that everything is worth talking about other than what you already mentioned. And SmackDown, the same thing, right? I mentioned, um, mm-hmm. you know, Miz, talk about it, it, it's a, a funeral for the Intercontinental Championship. And his him and Dolph have always been great on the microphone together um we did not see we did not see john cena baron corbin apollo cruz um jack swagger so we, we did not see a lot of guys on the show um to not be there on a two-hour show but uh aj against ellsworth with dean ambrose as special referee we got the, the, the oh yeah the tag match at the end with with the wyatts and um orton and kane kane disappears and uh, Bray and Luke Harper wins. Now, do you think that it just it's just a coincidence that 
quote unquote Kane just left the building? Do you feel like he's going to be added to the Wyatt family some at some point down the road? It's possible. I uh, I don't know. I just think this whole thing with the whole Wyatt Orton feud has just been a huge bust. The, the match was all right, <laughs> but a lot of people did not like it. It should not have main event of the show. Right. Um, I really hope Kane just kind of goes away for the most part, just because not that he's atrocious, but I don't need to see him main eventing smacked out of all things in 2016. He's not. He's not as quite as bad as the Big Show in terms of overexposure, but he's he's pretty close. And I don't need to see him around. I uh, just keep it with Wyatt and Harper. I think are fine on their own. I think bringing back Rowan when he's healthy and doing the original three Wyatt members would be great. But he's out for a couple months. So that's not going to happen. Orton should just get away from this feud and go on the feud with AJ. I think if they do the if they put AJ and Orton in the same match at Survivor Series, and they should, um, that would give AJ a month off from defending his title at the pay per view, and they could tease something between AJ and Orton and then go into that match for the next pay per view. Um, is a little bit of a placeholder for AJ before he goes into hopefully WrestleMania's world champion. But, um, yeah, I think the Wyatt family is fine as it is right now with just Harper and Wyatt. I think Wyatt needs, I don't think adding Harper to the act will get Wyatt any more wins. I know he won at No Mercy, but I don't think it's going to help his cause. And he had three guys as his followers for how many months? Um, late last year, earlier this year. And it got him off the WrestleMania guard. So I don't know how much luck that's going to, how much good that's going to do him. But, uh, yeah, I think it's better just to keep it with Harper and Wyatt right now until Rowan comes back at some point. Or do you think that they should have Harper turn on Wyatt somehow just to kind of add some intrigue? Like, you know, I've been following you this whole time, and I, I, I ain't getting nowhere with you, but now it's time for me to be on my own. Do you think that could be something interesting down the road? Yeah, down the road, definitely. Maybe even sooner rather than later. I think something like that would be great um, just to see – I mean, that's a story where it, that's definitely where it's building to. I don't know if that's what they have in mind, um, but how can you not do that story? This guy's been following Wyatt for over three years, and he's a great wrestler. He can go on his own. To have Rowan break off on his own, I could see it, like, maybe not such a good idea because he's not that good, but Harper is. And these two can have some great matches, and I think from a storyline standpoint, whether it's Harper turning on Wyatt and Wyatt goes baby, goes baby face or Harper goes baby face, there's a great story there, so then they can build upon that if they would want to down the road. Uh, maybe not anytime soon, just because I want both guys to look strong right now, but down the road, that's definitely a story I feel like they need to do. And Harper is a potential breakout star at some point, um, if they book him the right way. I know they booked him as a single star for a little while, 2014, 2015, but they flopped horribly with this guy. He had a one-month IC title reign that was forgettable as all hell, and they did nothing with him. So hopefully the next time he breaks off from Wyatt, um, he can be a baby face because people want to share him. The whole yeah, yeah, yeah thing is great. So hopefully they book it right the next time they do it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we can we can get a Bray Wyatt Luke Harper Hell in a Cell match. Shit, we could. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can have it every match on the on the card be a Hell in a Cell match. Why not just do you know Jack Swagger and Baron Corbin inside the Cell too? You know, it's amazing that that Bray Wyatt doesn't have more gimmicky matches like like Taker with. Buried alive and, and infernal matches, and you would think a guy, a guy with his character, always dark and everything. Like he, he, he doesn't have more of those kind of matches. I don't know whether if they don't want to have those matches nowadays with you know with the with the with the audience they have. But a buried a buried alive match, a casket match, infernal match. Not saying he's trying to copy Taker, but something along those lines where he can have those kind of matches. Inside the ring, outside the ring, uh, boiler room brawl kind of shit like Mankind used to do. So, like, his character fits between Mankind and Taker. It's dark, it's eerie, it's weird. He's all over the place. But just having a, a, a regular basic one-on-one match is, is not Bray Wyatt. It, Bray Wyatt never been in, in a chamber match or in a Hell in a Cell match. It just, maybe just, you know, it don't, it don't fit his character to not be in those kind of matches. The thing is, at the same time, though, it would make sense to put him in those kind of matches, but I feel like it's almost a good thing that they don't, because those matches only really worked for Taker, but they weren't really that good. Mm-hmm. A lot of those matches, casket matches can be very, 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 very boring. Like a lot of, I think a lot of people forget how, not bad, but just how dull a lot of the casket, maybe not more so Inferno, but like the casket buried alive, 
Um, those type of matches for Taker were more often than not not very good unless the feud, you know, it was justified in terms of the feud. Like for Taker and Kane, it made sense. Right. For Stone Cold Steve Austin and Undertaker, it was a great match. But I don't know. More often than not, those matches can be very boring. And it's already bad as it is that Wyatt's matches aren't very good. Like uh, Wyatt Orton at No Mercy was a boring match. If you put them inside a buried alive match, it'd be ten times worse. <laughs> I mean, that was you know. So that's that's why I'm kind of happy they don't bring those matches back. They've had them inside the cell before. I mean, then again, they put them inside the cell with Reigns, and those two did not have great chemistry. Their first match was boring as shit, but the Hell in the Cell match was great. But then again, I think back to when his. He had his first match in the company at SummerSlam 2013, the Inferno match against Kane, and it was boring as shit. So, again, it's, it's just Bray Wyatt's not a bad wrestler, but I think if they put him in that type of situation, it's just going to be more boring than it is already, unfortunately. I mean, nothing can be worse than a uh, Punjabi prison match. Nothing can be worse than Oh, that. God. Thank God that thing was ridiculous. <laughs> that was atrocious. That was terrible. Um, before <laughs> I let you go, uh, I mean, if you notice... We have Hell in a Cell coming up. We just finished No Mercy. We got Survivor Series already, already being talked about and already being advertised is is the Royal Rumble. So I'm like, damn, like, we're in October. We're not even near Thanksgiving, and they're promoting Royal Rumble. So now I know it's the Alamo Dome. They're trying to sell out the, the whole venue and everything. I get it. So me, just being funny and real quick, I'm like, so who, who are the early predictions to win, to win the Rumble? And now could you have the split brands now it's like if, if if the Miz wins the Rumble, then he's gonna challenge the, you know the, the the SmackDown Championship, or he may want to challenge the Raw. So you know you have that kind of intrigue. So real quick, I'm like early predictions on who wins the the, the Royal Rumble, and this and this, this this is what I got: Bray Wyatt. I doubt it. Bray Wyatt, another <laughs> one. Returning Finn Balor. That that's kind of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. if he's healthy, Finn Balor. John Cena, if AJ is dropping the belt, Jericho or Balor, if Kevin Owens is dropping the belt, Seth Rollins, Bobby Roode, Finn Balor. Um, let me see, Balor, but I think Sami Zayn would or should. Nah. Um, Cody Rhodes. Yep, I said it. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, Bray Wyatt's road to redemption starts starts right there. Doubt it. And um, pretty much it. So. Right off the back, real quick, no no right or wrong answer. If there's someone right now that you that you can see winning the Royal Rumble in Alamo Dome in Texas to go on to WrestleMania, knowing we had the brand split, who will be the ideal choice to win the Rumble? It's weird because my pick right now is someone that's not even healthy. Like you said, Finn Balor. Um, just because it makes the most sense. It looked like when he got hurt in late August that the timetable for his return might be around the Rumble. He lost the belt, you know, by vacating it. He never really lost the championship, so he has that story going for him. If Kevin Owens is still champion by Rumble Mania time, they could do that. So I'm going to go with Balor. I mean, I could see Cena, but that would be the third fucking Rumble this guy's won. I don't want to see that again. I'm fine with him going for the championship at Mania, because I know a lot of people don't want to admit it, but that's a good story. They want to do that up until Mania to get a 16th championship, and we've talked about it before, to have Ric Flair managing whoever he's going after the championship against. That's great, but I wouldn't have him win the Rumble. Um, there's Bray Wyatt would be cool, but you know that's not happening. The guy's just, you lost for Kane a month ago on pay-per-view. That's, that's not happening. Uh, Rollins, I see facing Triple H, a match that does not need the world championship, so I don't know if I could, that would be cool, but I don't see that happening. Hopefully it's not Roman. Anyone but Roman, which is what Wyatt used to say, which is what I'm going to say now. Anyone but Roman, again, he's been the focal point of this Rumble for the best three or four years, so I hope that's not the case again. Oh, man, Jericho would be cool, but I think he's taking time off by the end of this year, so probably not. They should probably go with a new star, too, and not Triple H like they did last year. Uh, Brock, maybe? I could see Brock maybe winning it, because he hasn't been in the title picture in a while, so I could see that. There's... Not a lot of options right now. We are still a few months out. We're still three months out. Maybe someone gets hot in the next three months. So uh, I don't know. But currently, my pick is on Finn Balor. I know he's not even. It's not even set in stone that he's coming back by January. But I could see him coming out as the Demon, as number thirty, and winning it, and going on to face Owens and Mania for the Universal Title. Now, real quick, before I really let, I let you go, I, that the winner of the Rumble can be interesting because 
I've been reading recently that the the Chamber pay-per-view might be coming back. Now, that might be in February. I don't know who would host it, Raw or SmackDown. But um, I think, one, the, the, the Chamber pay-per-view should not have ever left the whole schedule. Um, I think it makes sense now because if, if Finn Balor wins the Rumble, for example, then it's like who's going to challenge the SmackDown champion at WrestleMania, so then you have to bring the the, the Chamber pay per view back. So, um, did you did you hear about that? Did you read about that? And is there any truth that the Chamber pay per view will be coming back? I have not heard that. Doesn't mean it's not happening. I have not heard that at all, though. I know they got rid of it a few years ago because the arenas that they're traveling to now don't support the Chamber structure. So it didn't have anything, God forbid, having to do with the fact that, oh, the Chamber match doesn't mean anything anymore. Let's do the same thing with Hell in a Cell and have it make its own pay-per-view. I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum. I'm actually kind of happy they got rid of it because I wished they would bring it back when it meant something, like what they should do with Hell in a Cell. Because when you have the same Chamber match every, every year at the same time of the year, there was a period for five years or something, something ridiculous like that, where the champion retained every single year, which makes no sense from like a story, from like a logistical standpoint. If you have like a one to five chance or whatever it is, it's a six to one chance of you retaining and they retain one, they, the same person retains every year. It gets to the point where it's like, okay, this is ridiculous. So I'm glad they got rid of it. But um, if they bring it back, it's just got to be when it, for when it means something. Like when we have six potential challengers going for the belt, like that's when I want to see it brought back. More so the match than the pay-per-view, but I have not heard anything about the pay-per-view being brought back. doesn't mean it won't. It wouldn't surprise me if they do for, pe- for February, because currently there's nothing slotted for February. I know for December it's already being rumored that we have TLC for SmackDown and Roadblock for Raw. January is obviously the Rumble, WrestleMania after that. I would have no pay-per-view in between for me personally. I don't think if you go back to the, you know, to the old days, all you really needed was Rumble and Mania. No way out, other than like, 2002 right. has never really served a purpose. Fastlane has always been a fucking waste. So I, I would just get rid of it altogether because you don't really need a, a middle-of-the-road show before Mania. Um, but if they do, I could see them bringing it back in that February slot, which it once occupied many years ago. Graham Matthews, always a pleasure. Uh, you're on Twitter at WrestleRant, a feature columnist for Bleacher Report. Uh, always a pleasure having you on every week talking wrestling. And um, so, yeah, I think next week we'll have the preview for Hell in a Cell. We'll, we'll, we'll find out what's going on with, with Brock, Paul Heyman, and Goldberg. So it should be a very fun, interesting week coming up. Well, on that note, actually, thanks. I know we're getting in the mood of having a pay-per-view every two weeks, uh-huh. but Hell in a Cell is not until the Sunday after that. So uh-huh. the preview show technically wouldn't be until two weeks from today as opposed to next week. Got it, got it. Okay, all right. So Which yeah. is even better because we got a week off from previewing and reviewing pay-per-views. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every two weeks is a pay-per-view. Then they have a house show. Then there's a network special. They probably put a, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, a Hell in a Cell on a house show. They, they'll, do, they'll do all kind of weird shit. <laughs> yeah, there's a show every single day. All I need is bring back King of the Ring. Please, if you're going to bring back all this traditional Survivor Series stuff and, and chamber pay-per-views, give me King of the fucking Ring back. That's all I want. Preach. You can't have 19 pay-per-views a year and not have one of them be King of the Ring. That's just ludicrous. <laughs> well, for them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, Graham, always a pleasure, man. Thank you, and I appreciate it. Absolutely, dude. Always a great time. Looking forward to next week, and I'll talk to you then. All right, man. See you, Randy. Get you on the road. All right.